listening to Story City Church in Granada Hills, California. We exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. And here is this week's message. So now uh, we're going to move into a time of scripture reading today. So I invite you all to stand, uh, if you're able, to uh, out of reverence for God's word. We're going to be um, reading out of Luke 24 today. And uh, if, if this is your first time here again, and I'm saying that a lot, but I see a lot of new faces. So uh, there you go. Uh, when we finish with reading the uh, scripture, typically I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, and you're invited to respond. Thanks be to God. Luke 24. Um, now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened here these days? He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us when he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven, and those with them gathered together, who said, the Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Stephen. Good morning, y'all. Happy Easter. If I had a chance to meet you, my name is Samir. I have the honor of being one of your pastors here, and it's just a joy to be here. I don't know if you know this, but most of you are here because it's a time of celebration. Um, I like to think of it as this is like our Super Bowl. This is our Super Bowl Sunday here. Uh, as Christians, and specifically here at Story City, Granada Hills, me being a big football fan, this feels like a Super Bowl event to me. Um, and not only is it a Super Bowl event, the cool thing is, is that we already know the outcome of the game. That we won. That the confetti is up and it's flowing and it's coming down and we're celebrating and we're rejoicing that Jesus rose from the grave. On Friday, we looked at him on the cross. Today, we celebrate and rejoice that he rose and that there's no one else in history that can claim that. What a joy it is. Let me pray for us and let's jump in. Jesus, we thank you. We rejoice. We celebrate. We are just grateful to be here together. Um, We recognize that not only is it Super Bowl Sunday for us, but God, that we already won the game, that we are victorious, the confetti is flowing, and that we get to rejoice and celebrate in gratitude and joy and excitement. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. We praise you and we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know why you're here today. Um, We're grateful that you're here. Some of you maybe were invited from a fr- by a friend, and you're like, you know what, I'm, 
I love this person. I'm going to go and just hang out with them. Um, some of you heard that we had childcare, and we're like, oh, this is great. I get to have at least an hour and 15 maybe or so to myself. I'm just going to drop them off. Um, some of you, maybe this is the one or two times a year, or you know what? It's time for church. It's Easter. And you come on those days. Um, some of you genuinely are just seeking God. Like, Lord, I know you're there, and I know this is Easter Sunday. My heart is open to you. And some of you, this is like every week, right? Sunday, this is, I'm coming to church. This is my thing. And no matter where you are, no matter why you're here, I truly, truly believe God wants to speak to you today. Like the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the one who created you, the reason why you have flesh and bone and, and hair on your head, or some of you, not all, but some, you know, some of you have hair on your head. The reason why you are here is because God desires to speak to you today. I truly, truly believe that. It's not by chance. I pray that the Lord may give you eyes to see and ears to hear what he has to say today. And because you're here, I'm assuming that you believe that there is at least a God, that there is a God who has created you, that, that there is an existing creator of the universe. And if you're still unsure, we hope that there's clarity more today in light of the sermon. And as you look back in your journey, I don't know about you, but sometimes I look back and I remember moments or events that God encountered me in a moment where I, where I didn't even seek him out for. Moments of just a deep sense of his presence just out of the blue. I don't know if you ever had those moments where, where sometimes maybe you haven't even shared this with anybody, but you can remember. I remember when I was younger, like in my early teens, I had no real connection with God that early on, but I would lay in bed and I would wonder like, God, why am I here? Like, like who am I? What is my existence for? Or maybe you've had moments where, where you've prayed and God answered, like perfect timing. You're like, whoa, what just happened? Or maybe you had supernatural comfort from God because you were going through a season of mourning and sadness and pain. You didn't know what to do and you just cried out and he responded with comfort. Or maybe there was just a small moment of awareness that there is a God because you saw the awe, breathtaking scene when you were on a hike. I don't know what moments you might have had in your story, but isn't it, isn't it crazy that the God of the universe encounters us in these certain ways, but yet it's so easy for us to forget? so easy for us the next day to, to just go upon our day as if we created all of that or we made all of that happen. Why do we so easily forget? Why are we so easily distracted in those major moments or forget those encounters that we've had where he's pursued us? See, we know he can speak. We know that he responds and he's interacting with us. And if you haven't had that moment, I pray that this be one of those moments. Because the truth is, he usually speaks in a whisper. He usually speaks in a whisper in the deep depths of our soul and we ache and wonder and he's speaking. And in this story that Stephen just read, we see two disciples 
they're actually on their way back home. After witnessing the cross on Friday, they start walking back on Sunday because they gave up. They gave up hope. These are two disciples that walked with Jesus, saw his ministry, saw him do miracles. And then some say that this might be Clopas and Mary who were at the cross of Jesus when he died and shed his blood. But they're walking back home at this moment because they're like, it's over. They had, they had a reason to think that because there were several other quote-unquote fake messiahs that tried to come in and say that they were the messiah in that time. And they had a little movement going on. But then once they died, their mo- movement also died with them. They were hoping that Jesus was a little different. But once he died, they were like, well, we missed that one. Jesus is different. Because this Messiah did not stay in the grave. So now these disciples, they're, they're distracted, they're disappointed that Jesus died and they gave up hope. They're on their seven mile road back home. They could not even recognize Jesus as he came to them. They didn't even notice him. The resurrected Jesus showed up on their road back home and they did not see him. They did not recognize him. This is the same Jesus they were walking with. He was in front of their face. Why is this? How and why is it that they didn't see him? They didn't recognize him. My question is how often is God speaking to us right in front of our faces and we miss him? We miss him. He's speaking directly to us. And we ask, where are you? And he's saying, I'm here. Yeah, we miss him. Why is that? I think it's similar to what's happening with the disciples in this story, similar that happens with us almost on the daily, and this is the big idea for today. Life circumstances and unmet expectations can blind us from the greatest news ever. Life circumstances and unmet expectations can blind us from the greatest news ever. You see, we're going to notice three distractions that are hindering these disciples. They're hindering them, they're hindering themselves from seeing Jesus for who he is. And not only are we going to look at these three distractions of the disciples, we're going to relate them and see like, wow, these same three distractions are similar for us as well. They are real for us today. Why don't we see the resurrected Jesus in our life? Same way these disciples did it. We will look at their distractions as ours. The first distraction that we've noticed here, the first one is that there's a physical distraction. A physical distraction. This is simple. Simply, Jesus looked different to them. Right? He didn't look like the same Jesus when they were walking with him. He had a resurrected body. And the last time they saw him, his face was all transfigured because of the cross, because of the beating he took. So they didn't recognize him physically. He looked different. This is true also in other areas in scripture. In John 20, when Mary went to look for Jesus and he, she thought he was the gardener because he looked different. So it's a simple maybe distraction that is physical. He looked different. Sometimes, 
We miss God's presence because he no longer appears to us or speaks to us in the familiar ways of yesterday. If we remain locked in the past by traditions, by nostalgia, like he spoke to me this way once, he's gonna do it the same exact way today. We're gonna miss the fact that he's speaking to you today differently. It can look different. It doesn't have to look the same every time. God is an alive and intentional God and he's relational. Back in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, God and his presence would come to his people through a big cloud. Or, if you know the story, through a burning bush. In the New Covenant, he speaks to us through his son Jesus, God in the flesh coming, and through his spirit that now lives upon us and upon his church. So in this moment, this is a form of how God speaks to his people. It looked different in the Old Covenant, the way he spoke to people. And so I don't know about you, but when I first met my wife, Shirley, when we first started speaking to each other, we spoke very differently to one another than we did, than we do now. Do you guys remember those, those days if you are married or have a long, long-term relationship? When we were first together, we were infatuated by each other, right? We wanted to get to know each other. We wanted to impress each other. So we would say things and, and do things with each other that looked different than what it looks like today. Because our relationship grew. Our relationship matured. I've changed. She's changed. And we communicate. The reality is, is if I communicated with her now the way I used to, she'd be like, what are you doing? You're being weird right now. (laughs) Stop it. See, the way God used to speak to us in our younger years is not the only way he chooses to speak to us. Someone needs to hear this right now. That you have grown, you have changed, you have matured, you're a different person today, and God's speaking to you right where you are, not where you used to be, not the person you once were. And he's doing it in a different way. And you're just waiting for him to speak to you the same way he did before, but he's like, hey, listen up, I'm here in a new way. God has been trying to speak to you, but he he looks and sounds a little different than what you're used to, so you tend to ignore him because you're not used to it. The reality is he's not changing. He has not changed. We have changed. And he wants to meet us where we are. Speak to us where we are. He wants you to know that he is doing a new thing, speaking to to you in a new way, in a new season of your life. So the first one we see and notice that it it was a physical distraction, that he looked different. And sometimes we miss God because we think he's supposed to look and sound the same as he once did to us. The second distraction is a psychological distraction. A psychological distraction. Something going on in our brains. I I was able to do a little studying and I I came across the this inintentional blindness. There's the actual scientific reality of something called inintentional blindness. I want to read a little blurb on on what I read. It says this. says, inintentional blindness is the psychological phenomenon that causes you to miss things that are right in front of your eyes. 
This research is showing us something that we did not think was the case, that we can fail to perceive very major things going on right in front of our eyes. This is remarks by the cognitive psychologist Brian Scholl, who has a PhD from Yale University. He continues to say, in contrast with a lot of research on visual perception, these studies are truly surprising for both scientists and lay people because they're so at odds with how we assumed visual and vision to work. How do we know this is happening with these disciples walking? I want to read verses 19 and 21. Read this. You can read this with me, not necessarily aloud, but you can look at it with me. Jesus asked this question. He's like, what things, what are you guys talking about? He asked them. So then they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, right? They were walking with him. Who was a prophet? He's, he, they're describing to Jesus who he is, which is a funny thing. Who was a prophet powerful in action and speech before God and all the people? Verse 20, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. They're like almost agonizing in the way they're describing this, right? Verse 21, but we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it's the third day since these things have happened. Three is kind of like a, a, a time of completion, so they're like three days later, he, he hasn't come back, well, we're gone. They gave up. Their hope was unmet in what they thought it should look like. The trauma and the sadness of unmet expectations of this Messiah that they walked with, that, that he didn't overthrow Rome, right? They were hoping he would come and just get rid of all the, uh, the oppression that Rome was having. He didn't do that. So they're like, all this unmet expectation created an intentional blindness in them. They were hurting, they were burdened, they had trauma, they were sad, they were broken, they saw the death and the bloodshed. It had kept them from seeing Jesus, the resurrected Jesus right in front of them. Right in front of them. The disappointment and the sadness brought them an intentional blindness as Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, was right in front of their eyes. My question is, has unintentional blindness affected your ability to see, our ability to see, and hear God as he walks with us, as he walks with you, as he is right in front of your eyes? Have personal traumas or pains or, or, or disappointments, lost hopes, unmet expectations, have they kept you from seeing Jesus for who he truly is? Has there been traumas from your father or father figures in your life that have kept you from embracing God as a good father to you? That there's this barrier because of the trauma and the pain. Has the way certain religious leaders constantly failing you made it hard for you to see who God truly is? Maybe because you assume that their failure is a reflection of God abandoning you or maybe even failing you. Has an unmet expectation, maybe for a job that you always wanted, 
maybe, maybe a spouse that you've prayed for constantly, this unmet expectation has hindered maybe your ability to see who God truly is in his resurrected form, that he's alive today and now and is meeting you here. Consider these possibilities. I'm not putting that on you. I'm saying consider these possibilities that maybe some of these things have created an unintentional blindness from being able to see Jesus, the resurrected Jesus who is in front of you here and now for who he truly is. The God of the universe, God's son, the resurrected king who conquered death itself is knocking on the door of your heart. Knocking on the door of your heart. He's revealing himself to you this morning. And so even though there are several good reasons already that we saw that created a, a blindness of these disciples from possibly seeing Jesus for who he truly is, the, the physical and the psychological, we need to take a pause because there's a statement in this section that would create us to recognize something even deeper. That there's a spiritual thing that's happening here. Something spiritual is going on. And that's our third distraction. There's a spiritual distraction. I want to read that section right here. Luke 24, 15 and 16. And while they were discussing and arguing, they were arguing because they were so upset and hurt and pain. There's pain there. Jesus himself came near. Jesus himself came near. I love that. And began to walk along with them. Verse 16. This is huge. But they were prevented from recognizing him. What? Every time I read that, I'm like, wait, what do you mean? How were they prevented from recognizing him? See, the original word here for prevented or kept is the Greek word for krateo, which literally means that their eyes were overruled, that they were taken into custody, that their eyes were seized from being able to see. So it looks like what's happening here is that God himself is not allowing them to see Jesus, that there is a barrier spiritually there. Why would God do this? This is the resurrected King Jesus. Wouldn't God want everyone to know and see that he is here and now? Why would he keep them from seeing him? That doesn't make sense. But in order to answer this question well, we need to look at the context of the entire story. Just like everything in scripture, sometimes we'll read a little section here and there and be like, that's confusing, I don't believe it. When the context of the story matters, right? It says this at the end of the story, verse 30. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it to them. Verse 31. Then, then their eyes were opened. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Luke is saying something here. He's saying that these disciples were not even able to recognize Jesus, the king who resurrected from the grave. They were not even able to recognize him by themselves. They needed God's power. They needed God's allowance to recognize the resurrected king. The moment he broke the bread, they saw the pierced hands. The resurrected king's hands, 
the trauma that they had seen not too long ago came back to remembrance as the king was resurrected. They saw Jesus' hands. They saw the fact that, wow, I had to remember my brokenness. I had to remember my trauma. I had to remember my pain in order to see you for who you truly are, Lord. They had to go back and recognize the resurrected king. He came back from the dead. They had to be remembered. And God had to open their eyes to see. Right? Hindsight's 2020, right? We always say that. We look back. Years later, and we look back, and like, man, actually, God was in that. He was protecting me from, man, if I got with that dude and got married with him, my life would be horrible right now. But God was protecting me all the way through. If I got that job, who knows where I'll be right now? I am grateful. Hindsight is 2020. God has to remind us sometimes to be like, look, this is the moment. This is the moment my hands are pierced. I'm breaking the bread here and now. Look, I have been resurrected from the dead. There is no other hope in the world but me. Look, look. Is Jesus breaking the bread and eating it with you right here and right now? Is he revealing the scars and wounds of his life and reminding you of yours so that we can truly receive and see him for who you truly is? God is an intentional God. He does things on purpose. He does things on time. He does it with intention. Because why? Because he loves and cares for you deeply. That he'll wait for this moment because he wants you to see him for who he truly is and break the bread with you. Not only did he break it, he ate with them. He ate with them. That's an intimate moment that he wants to be with his people. And he wants to be with you. It all leads and all led up to that moment. He is bringing light to the distractions of your life that kept you from seeing him and is breaking bread in front of you saying, look, here I am. I died for you. I shed my blood for you so that your sins can be forgiven. All the sins and the brokenness that you thought will hinder you from being with me, it doesn't matter no more because check, check it out, I died, I, I broke my body so that your sins can be forgiven. Come and receive me, embrace me, I am yours, you are mine, this is the forgiveness of your sins and I have resurrected from the dead to prove to you that even death itself cannot conquer me. That even death itself cannot hold me. And guess what? That's not only for me. I'm inviting you into that as well. That death itself cannot conquer you no more. That I have come to resurrect you. And I will be with you forever in all eternity. This is the best news we could ever imagine. Because like these disciples, we all need something supernatural. Like... The opposite of natural, right? Supernatural. Like, like, this is not something that we can do in of our own. We cannot muster up and we cannot be strong enough to figure this out. This is supernatural. Only God can do it. Can take us to a place so that the Lord gives you eyes to perceive, gives us eyes to perceive, ears to receive, and a heart to believe what he is saying right here. You can't do it on your own. You can't figure it out on your own. The truth is, life circumstances, back to the big idea, and unmet expectations can blind us from the greatest news ever. 
This is the greatest news ever. We are here to celebrate the greatest news ever. But God has met us on the road, just like these guys, right? Or man or woman, we don't know who it is. But just like them, Jesus met them on the road. God meets us on the road in our journey right now, and he breaks through the physical, the psychological limits that hinder us from seeing Jesus for who he is. Continuing in the end of the section, they said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he, he was talking with us and the road on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They went back to Jerusalem. They just walked seven miles all the way to Emmaus. Guys, they didn't have like good kicks on. They didn't have the new J's on. They were walking in sandals in the dirt. Seven miles. It was dark by then. And they're like, oh my goodness. He's here, he's now, we gotta go back. Like, and they walked seven miles back to Jerusalem to tell them about the good news. They're like, dude, we saw him. He's here, he's alive. Their hearts were burning. What, what would cause someone to go back seven miles? I mean, come on. Something was burning in them. God was opened up their heart and their mind. And I ask you, is God burning within you right now? He's speaking. Is he, is, he, is he turning in your spirit? Guess what? That's the whisper of God. He's speaking to you right now. Maybe you're saying, okay, God, I'm hearing you. I want to respond to you. Or you're in a point where like, I don't know. I, I need to pray. I need to ask God to reveal these things to me, to, to open up my mind, to open up my spiritual eyes this morning to see you clearly. They went seven miles one way. They went back seven miles the other way. I want to read Matthew 7, 7, which is crazy because I was looking at it. I was like, this is perfect. I don't think it's a coincidence, but this is Jesus speaking. Matthew 7, 7. He says this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. He's talking about himself. He's talking about knock. I'm coming. I'm here. Speak. Knock. Ask. Verse 8. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks. Guess what? The door will be open. Jesus is saying, I am here. Knock. I will open the door to your heart. I will come in today and now. If this is you today, if you're sensing the spirit of God, if you're sensing something that you haven't experienced before or you have, but you're like, whoa, I can know what to do now with this. I want to give us opportunity to respond. I want to give us an opportunity to respond to Jesus today. Okay? And I hope it's not just for today because it's Easter, it's special, it's awesome, which is great. And this is the moment we have that God wanted to meet you. But I hope this is a moment of a lifetime. Three ways. First one is simple. You can just stay at your chair and just pray to God from right where you are. Because guess what? He died and rose for the purpose that you can go to him anytime, anywhere. When he died on the cross on Friday, the veil was torn. There was a veil in the temple where they would go into the Holy of Holies and say, that's only where God was back in the day. But when Jesus died on the cross, he shed his blood. That veil that kept us from him, that veil actually tore in half from top to bottom. 
It was the most, one of the most supernatural things that could happen because the veil was super thick. No one could have gone up there and torn it. It was torn to resemble the fact that we can all now go into the presence of God because of what he's done. So in your chair, in your seat, you can just go to the Lord and be like, God, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't understand. I need your spiritual eyes to open mine. I need you to overrule my heart, overrule my mind, overrule my understanding because I don't get it. And that's okay. But that's one response for us today. Second one, we would love to walk with you. We would love to guide you. We would love to pray for you. There's going to be prayer leaders on each side. They'll have a pink lanyard. And if you want prayer, like if you say, okay, I know this is real. I just want prayer. I just want someone to pray for me. I want to share this with somebody. That's a moment for you as we're doing worship at the end. Take them. I know it feels like it could be embarrassing, but this is the God of the universe. Like walking about five feet, like it's worth getting a prayer. It's worth recognizing like God's doing something here. We want to pray for you. We love to guide you. If you have questions, if you have concerns, like, I don't know, help me understand. Like, we'd love to help walk you through that. And if we don't have the answer right away, we'd love to, to come back and have lunch with you, have coffee with you, and talk through that. Our prayer leaders would love to pray for you. That's our second response. Our third response, we have baptisms in a few weeks. We have baptisms in a few weeks. Few weeks. And April 30th, if you want to sign up to be baptized because you're like, you know what? I'm ready. I want to show the world and represent what's happening in my soul and do it outward. That's what baptism is. Baptism is an outward expression of what God is doing in you. It's, it's, the, it's the representation, really, of the resurrected Jesus. The death in the burial in the tomb and brought to life in the resurrection. So we say, hey, God, hey, church, hey, people, I'm just jumping in and I'm representing the fact that I am committing to the fact that I believe that Jesus died and rose and I'm going to do the same in light of that through baptism. And so we'd love to walk with you in that. We'd love to help you understand that more. We'd love to pray for you. If so there's three, way, two, three ways that you can sign up or talk more about it. You can talk to the prayer people. You can even sign up in the little uh, QR code in front of you. Or you can go to the next steps table and be like, hey, I want to get baptized. I want to at least learn more about what this is. We'd love to walk with you in this. So if the Lord is speaking to you today, would you respond? Jesus is walking with you on the road. He broke the bread. His hands were shown. God revealed himself to you, the resurrected Jesus. We love to pray for you. We love for you to respond to him today. So while we respond, while we're worshiping in song, we're going to play some music. We're going to worship Jesus together. At that time, pray at your seat. Get some prayer from our prayer leaders. Go to the next table, sign up for baptism, whatever it is. Will you respond to the King of Kings, the resurrected one, the one that came to embrace you, to love you, and to die and to rise again for you? Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There is none like you. You went to the cross. You walked up, got nailed, got tore up for our sake. And Lord, may we just take a little moment to just respond back. To respond back, whether that's to get a prayer, whether that's to pray to you directly, whether that's to just seek out what is baptism, how do I do that, what does that mean? Give us the courage, Lord. Give us your spirit. We need the empowerment of your spirit to know you, to see you, to understand you. Even these disciples that walked with you for three years didn't even recognize you, God. And we confess that 
a lot of times when you're speaking to us, when you're right in front of us, we don't even recognize you. So God, we're asking you to reveal yourself to us, the resurrected, wonderful Savior. Will we respond to you this morning as we worship, celebrate, and rejoice that we have eternal life in the one king, the only king, the perfect king, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we worship God, will you respond to him today with prayer by yourself, with prayer with a prayer leader, or maybe even sign up for baptism. Let's worship, let's stand and worship him. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are Sundays at 10 a.m. and we're located at 11011 Havenhurst Avenue in Granada Hills. Find us on Instagram at StoryCityGH or online at StoryCityChurch.com. Go and be the church.